Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Oh yes, Dan Housen here. Very nice, very evil, very famous. Here to tell you that you, hopefully, are listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yes, it is a wonderful mix of wrestling history, discussion, and comedy. Yes, very good. Isn't that nice? Well, anyways, if you're not listening to it, how do you hearing Dan Housen say this right now? But nevertheless... If you're not listening to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, you're cursed. You're listening to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate. Hello wrestling fans and welcome to episode 150, I feel like I've done this already, of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Your host Nate Maxson here with you of course along with my brother Aaron. (laughs) Oh no. Aaron Internet Issue Maxson. (laughs) I'm perfectly stuck right now. And coming to you live from traffic, aren't you Mitchell? (laughs) (laughs) Aaron's stuck on the uh, on the information superhighway, and Archie's just stuck on the highway. So there right. you go. Right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the 150th edition of the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. And let me See, tell I you, I don't believe that Archie would be stuck in traffic because for like nine years, not nine, seven years, I watched Tony Soprano every episode drive you know from New York. All the way through Jersey, and he got there you, perfectly fine. Do you know what time of day that was? That was 10 a.m. when everybody's in work and everybody's having a normal time. Okay. I'm just saying, Tony smoked the stogie. He got through, yeah. perfectly, he got per, through perfectly smooth. Nate, you gave me an idea for a show name, though, that me and Aaron can do together. Okay. Archie and Aaron present Life is a Highway. <laughs> I like it. Right on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. <laughs> and everybody, just so you know, while other podcast hosts are big-dogging each other and having pissing matches and all that jazz, we are here just providing what I think is the funniest and most entertaining podcast Without a doubt. Without in the wrestling a doubt. podcast world. 
the We Can't Wrestle podcast. So what I want to say to you, the listeners, the ones that listen every single week, the ones that are part of our Facebook group, et cetera, et cetera, is just support us. We need your support. Let your friends know about the show. Invite your friends to the Facebook group. It's a good time. We try to give you a good, entertaining product, and, and we want everybody to be able to enjoy it. So um, we do giveaways. We do we do you know uh, trivia. We do everything we can on the pages that we you know to, to bring mm-hmm. the fans closer to us. We're not just three faceless guys who are putting on a podcast. We're involved in everything going on. Yes, and we are not. Uh, on one hand, we are not pretentious and try to act like we are smarter than everybody else. And on the oh. other hand, we aren't trying to sell you dick pills every fifteen minutes. So there you go. Wait, support do you have any dick pills? Support no. And there's Damn. a reason for that. Damn it. <laughs> I've, Roll been tide. Told, I've been told before that I'm kind of pretentious. Roll Tide. <laughs> that I'm pretentious. It's just that you're probably stupid. <laughs> All right. So anyway, ignore what Aaron said. Support the show. <laughs> Yes. Get out there, let your friends know about the We Can't Wrestle podcast and all the other Buy great the shows. Buy the merch. Yes, and all the other great shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. You're not that being said, I was fucking with you. Yes, he was just I fucking love, with you. I love most of you. Most of you are great. <laughs> not you, Chris Wood. But anyway. Um, Chris the, Wood has the greatest job in the world. He's the only person that's ever like, nope, I can't record tonight. Be like, I completely understand. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. You're, you're playing music at a titty bar. Congratulations, titty bar, sir. Right. <laughs> you, right. that, that trumps podcasting. Yes, it does. <laughs> but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this week we are going to be discussing the WCW Monday Nitro show as you voted, the listeners. From September the 1st, 1997. It's an interesting watch, especially contained in a vacuum. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Because we are going to do something new at the beginning of each show as we go forward. We're just going to ask each other a question. And my question to you, Aaron, first. Because this was your idea. Are we also answering our own question? We can, if you want. Okay. I mean, I have I have the answer to my question. So okay, fine. yeah, I think we should do that. But anyway, we're gonna each, and we're not. Nobody's gonna know what the other guys are gonna ask, but we're gonna ask a question, random question of each other. And, and it's a it's a wrestling related podcast you people are listening to, but it necessarily doesn't have to be a wrestling related question, right? Right. Which I'm assuming the first question we all have is probably going to be wrestling related. Going forward, we have to do that. We might ask Archie what's his favorite potato chip, you know, or something like that. Anyway. Lay's plain. Lay's plain. There you go. I'm not asking that one next week. Scratch that off the list. He already answered. So we're going to let Aaron start here and ask his question first to Archie and myself. All right. And like I said, I have the answer to my, I have the own answer to my question, which is probably going to be the right answer, but that's okay. Um, It's this. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, comes into the WWF. All right. Mm -hmm. Nothing's different. 
Macho Man debuts, comes in, and they do the manager, um, everybody, every manager trying to get the Macho Man angle. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Oh, but yeah. The only thing is Elizabeth is not an option. Okay. Who manages Elizabeth? Elizabeth isn't an option. Who do you put out of those managers with the Macho Man? You want to go first, Archie, or you want me to? It's up to you, Nate. I'm good either way. Here's who I'm going to pick. Okay. He has he has also just quite recently come to the WWF within a year. Um, he has not yet become completely outlandish, too. I'm putting Randy Savage with Jimmy Hart. Good choice. Playing off their history, you know, in Tennessee yeah. together and stuff. And uh, like I said, at this point, Jimmy wasn't like like he got with the other. You know, and, and I'm not saying it was bad, but I'm saying I, I, you haven't yet got to the point where it's like, yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah. You know what I mean? So he's not – because I wouldn't want to put that version of Jimmy Hart right. with Randy Savage because then those two like that is too much. But yeah. I think I think Jimmy Hart at this point, you know, what is this, late 85 um, – I think Jimmy Hart. Okay. And 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 I know Archie's gonna answer, but Nate, I was trying I honestly thought you were gonna pick Jimmy. I think that there's a lot of um wrestling fan people that are like I don't wanna say like elitist, but whatever, that completely downplay how good, even after he became the, oh yeah, baby, yeah, baby, Jimmy Hart, how good he was. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, people are like, oh, Jimmy sucked after he got to the WWF. It's like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Oh, great. No. He, he, he played great. his role perfectly. He played his role perfectly. He made the people that he got with better, and like, he'd, he'd like, absorb their gimmick and shit like right. that. So, yeah. So, he managed how many teams to the tag team titles? and. Mm-hmm. Always stayed fresh with them. He never made it like a dull, you know, boring right. time. You know what I mean? So. Like, like um, Jimmy wasn't my pick, and I know Archie's going to say his. But, like, imagine the honky-tonk man without Jimmy Hart. Yeah. That right. fucking work. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking work. Right. It wouldn't mm-hmm. work. You're right. You're right. Uh, I'm split between two, and um, it's... I think Bobby Heenan would have been a decent manager for him, but not. Bobby had so many people over time. And whenever he had to split his time between them, they always seemed to get very angry. So I think it would have been a short time with Bobby before Macho Man exploded and would have been like, oh, yeah, you got to spend time with me and me only, Bobby, because I'm the number one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that would have taken time away from him building with Andre and Henning and so, I, believe it or not, I think I'm going to go with Slick because okay. Slick had that, you know, Randy eventually evolved into this weird talking, but always got his point across maniac. Slick mm-hmm. was a weird talking, calm guy. You know, he was very, you know, um, um, very well spoken. Even though he was mm-hmm. speaking jive, he still got his point across. Right. And I think that over time, we could have still gotten to the um, Twin Towers attacking Randy and gotten to the Hogan helping 
without because without Elizabeth, you don't get that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Randy's with Slick, little wells down the road. He's starting not to feel slick anymore. He's thinking about going his own ways. The Twin Towers attack. Hogan comes out to help. And then we get to that Mega Powers uniting. So, well, it's you know, that's the way I look at it. What I was thinking about when you mentioned Heenan and maybe Savage getting fed up with, with Heenan and wanting to be the center of his attention, that actually could have led to something kind of cool because uh, granted you're you're turning Randy Sa- in this scenario I'd be turning Randy Savage face a little earlier than he should have been right. turned face right. but what about a program with Randy Savage versus Mr. Wonderful <laughs> you right. know that could have been it right. could have been some good shit man it yeah. could have right but it might have turned things to the, you know him going face too early might have not given him his world title might have not given him his you know the, the push that was there Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We might not have got to see him in Steamboat either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. That's what I'm worried about. You know, so I think Slick is is the the choice for me. All right, you guys want my answer? Yes. Of course. Well, of course you do. Um, and it's it's hindsight. Not, not I shouldn't say hindsight. It's not knowing that he was going to not be able to manage much longer after this. But if I'm okay. looking at Randy Savage. Okay, he comes in. Liz is not an option. The person that I put the Macho Man Randy Savage with is Classy Freddy Blassie. That's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and the reason is that <clears throat> Blassie is flamboyant. He's a... a, a uh, how do I say it? Like a outlandish type personality. But when he would manage somebody that was outlandish, he didn't necessarily have to be that way verbally. But he looked it like. Right. So so he might have not needed to cut promos for Randy Savage, obviously, because Randy Savage was a fucking promo machine. But imagine like Randy Savage coming out there in those fucking flamboyant robes and all that shit. Like, what better dude standing next to him looks mm-hmm. better than fucking Fred Blassie? You right. know what I mean? And I just, yeah. I, I think if Liz isn't an option, Fred Blassie's the best option. Because he's like, okay, I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to make him the fashion plate. He's going to be outlandish. He's going to have the sparkly robes. He's going to be insane and all this you're shit. Looking, you're looking at the sequin squad. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and, and Freddie would be able to like cut promos with him if he had to. It, 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 right. I just like I think Fred Blassie would have been the best option. Freddie, what do you see out in the crowd tonight? I see a bunch of pencil neck geeks. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Thinking, thinking, thinking. And then, you know, eventually he sells the contract to Slick. <laughs> and there you go. Archie's Archie. Wins. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know in nineteen eighty five that Fred Blass is gonna get hit in the head hit in the head with a fucking egg. But I'm looking at like, right. to, like I think I think also like Freddie was obviously established in the WWF, so it would have been like the most established manager for him to be like, look, I took Ken Patera, I could I took 
um, Iron Sheik. I took this guy. I took this guy. And I, I, I made him. I made him this. You know, like mm-hmm. Randy Savage. I'm looking at the the group of people, yo. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, cream always rises to the top. It's spread fucking. Blasty might have been the only one to give him just the right amount of attention too, because he might have dumped all other clients just to manage Randy Savage. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He might have been like, I don't need anybody else. I got Randy Savage. Right. You know, good choice. I just think Fred Blassie and Randy Savage walking out together would look fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So my question for you guys, and we spend, uh, I'd say what, what would you guys say? 90% of this podcast, we discuss wrestling from the 80s and the 90s, you know? We don't talk a bunch of... Every once in a while, we delve into the 2000s or what have you. We don't a lot, though. So my question is actually concerning the past 20 years. We're in 2021. So we're talking about the the, the end of the... Because, you know, it kind of cuts off, if you talk about it, the peak. WrestleMania 17. Um of what we would say our era. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but to me, that's kind of where our era of wrestling kind of ends and you get into the modern era. But anyway, so my question concerns the modern era, the past 20 years, if you had to pick, what would you say from 2001 till today is your favorite feud slash program in wrestling in the past 20 years. Aaron, you want to go first or? I, I need a minute. So we're I talking, two, we're, we're talking 2001. From, from, let's say from WrestleMania 17 till now. If it's me and I got to choose, um, I'm going to go with the, the few that kind of brought me back. Um, Shawn Michaels was on a tear having, Defeated Ric Flair the year before at WrestleMania. And then we got that nostalgic two-match, two-year-in-the-making feud with The Undertaker. Okay. So good Michaels stuff. Undertaker, very very good. matches delivered. And it wasn't. It just didn't end with their matches because then the two that involved the Triple H. H. Yeah, also that's what I was going to say. Shawn Michaels as well. So. They, they literally told a story for four years. Yeah. Four so, years I mean, yeah, that, that's a good pick, I think. Aaron? Um, I, I guess it would be not necessarily. Could it? Could it be not necessarily the feud around it, but the match? Yeah, it would be. Um, because uh, I love this fucking match. It's Taker Brock in that Hell in a Cell. Okay. At No Mercy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, Paulie's on the fucking promo, and he's like, Pontade, Pontade, and he's, like, talking in Latin and all that. It's like, I loved the Brock Lesnar, what what year would that have been, like, 2005? 2000 and, no, that was 2003, I okay. believe. No, I 2002. 2002. Okay, well, I'll give you yeah. that. I loved that goddamn feud. I loved all of it going into it. Um, wasn't that, and I know it got deadpanned because of the, the, um, dark side of the ring with, with 
uh, Canyon or whatever, like the, do you really want to hurt me? Yeah. Like that yeah. was all involved in that. <clears throat> but yeah, I actually but... fucking loved that feud. What is the feud? Taker Brock. And technically yeah. that feud between Taker and Brock suspended until just recently. When, when, did, when was your last match? <laughs> <laughs> Saudi Arabia or something, you know what I mean? They yeah, went yeah. the whole length of the 20, 2020s after that. Mm-hmm. So. And, and like Arch just mentioned, it's like I didn't even think about that. It's like it was kind of like, I don't want to say like Taker and Brock, like Brock is kind of like the Taker now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, yeah. like he, he shows up when it needs to be. He shows up when it's an important match, but he's not around all the time. I, I, I think, like I said, I think the Taker-Brock saga and that match at that No Mercy with that Hell in a Cell, that's my favorite Hell in a Cell match. I know people have fully fallen off of it, and we talked about before. Played out. Um, on passion. If I'm going to show a non-wrestling fan something, showing Mick falling off of it or whatever, but that to me is the most believable Hell in the Cell match I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, it was a fight. It was an actual fight. So that's my answer. All right, my, my answer. answer. That's what I like. No, it's a fantastic. I, I totally agree with you. It's fantastic stuff. Um, it is. My pick: past twenty years of my favorite program slash feud, <clears throat> Miss Guzzi, is from two thousand eight. And it is the feud between Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels. Good, good feud. Um, that was that was not only it's not only my favorite thing of the past twenty years. They were both fantastic. They did great work. It, Jericho, it's the best work of Jericho's career. That Jesus, that iterate that iteration of Chris Jericho is the best best Chris Jericho. I mean, I love WCW pompous like. You know what I mean, whiny Chris Jericho and stuff. That made me a fan, and he's a great wrestler. But my favorite shit from Chris Jericho is that that stuff from like 2008 till 2010. That's um, the short haired Chris Jericho, right? Yeah, yeah. And when he when he when he he was basically doing Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah, really, he was pretty much, pretty much. Sounds white punch in the face. Yeah, that I mean that no, and me and Aaron were there in Indianapolis at that SummerSlam really? for that. Yeah, when that went down. Um, and there was some fucking heat in Indy that night. <laughs> and that was, you know, oh, yeah. in, in the modern era of wrestling, you don't get a lot of heat like that. You know what I mean? Nope. And then nope. Jericho in their ladder match when he wins just by fluke. It's and he's got he's, he's like, yeah. His, yeah, his yeah. tooth knocked out, and he's just I mean, he he won, but he looked like the loser. You know, and he was so. I mean, I just thought I thought those guys did a fucking fantastic job. Oh, they were fantastic with each other, exactly. And they were great. I mean, it, it, it was Sean having come back and actually making the second part of his career better than the first part, and then putting guys over like Jericho and grooming them to be the next, you know, next guard because he knew he didn't have much longer. It was perfect. It was the right. It was what what should have been done. And if wrestling was a shoot. That feud would be why Shawn Michaels' eye is crossed like it is right, right now. <laughs> right. He went through the Jeratron. Yeah, he went through the Jeratron. My second choice is actually, a, a, I don't want to, I should say a second choice. Sorry. 
feud wise, I'll I, I get a lot like talking about that era. It's like bringing shit back into my mind, right? Right. <laughs> but um, <coughs> um, and then we'll get to Archie's questions. Sorry, but like my A two, my A two would be I loved um, and and it's it doesn't get talked about a lot because he died, and it was kind of like a weird time in the WWE, but I thought Brock and Eddie had a good feud, too. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Considering how big yeah, Brock really was over Eddie, they worked well together. They had a yeah. really great feud. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. All right. Brock was question. a man a lot of time. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Brock is still the man, in my opinion. He's I'll talk about Brock in, all goddamn day. Yeah. I fucking love Brock Lesnar. So, uh, all right, my question. Uh, because our fans at home know my obsession of Vince Russo. Bro, if Vince Russo had not gone to the WCW and stayed in the WWE, would have things been different? Would have WCW maybe made a rebound? Or would have the WWF began tanking because Russo was going too stupid and extreme with his storylines? Or was Vince the perfect... Um, guard to stop him from going overboard. I think I think that no matter what because before he even got to WCW it was failing, right? The boat it, was sinking. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 ship was sinking. Yeah. And within the corporate environment of right. W you know of Turner no matter what, at that point, I think that if not necessarily getting shit canned like off of TV completely, WCW would have eventually been relegated back to just TBS. Mm-hmm. And Nitro, Nitro was not long for the world. Let's be honest. Right. No matter right. what, who who was in charge, Nitro itself wasn't long for the world because the people in charge of TNT didn't want wrestling, right. and it wasn't it wasn't doing good ratings anymore. That being said, I also think that once he kind of won his war with WCW, I think Vince McMahon would have ultimately said, all right, Russo, you're part of a committee now. You're part, you know what I mean? Like ultimately Russo, because Russo's shelf life, he proved his shelf life when he went to WCW. He didn't have a shelf right. life. Right. You know, his, he was almost expired. He was. If you you can't you can't take what he, well, I guess you did because I've always said Vince Russo won. I look at AEW and I, I literally see that Vince Russo won. Right. But you no, know, I don't. I don't think. I think he stays. But he becomes more like he he's not the the main dude anymore after Vince doesn't. He, you're thinking when he speaks up, everybody's like, "Yeah, okay, Vince," and then they move on to the next subject. Especially since ultimately, not maybe not necessarily Vince buys WCW because, like I said, maybe it stays within the Turner realm. But is, right. but I don't think Nitro was going to live much longer. Right. And so ultimately, TBS in two hours. Yeah, ultimately, if whether Vince bought WCW or just put Nitro off the air, he won the war, quote unquote. Right. right. So. so the so the question is if Vince doesn't jump, Vince or so if Vince doesn't, doesn't jump, mm-hmm. what happens? Right. In my opinion, what happens is um, WCW 
still goes out because it was okay. it was it was floundering. Right. Um, I think Vince Russo would probably still be working there to this day, but I think Vince Russo would be the guy that um because because this is I, I'm I'm not smart to the, I shouldn't say I'm not smart to the wrestling business. I don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes or all that shit, right. but I think Vince Rousseau is a guy that you keep on your payroll as being an idea guy. Um, right. Okay, I got, I got this idea. Okay, let's take this guy and this guy, bro, and it starts this way. He... It, it, Russo is a starter. Russo's a starter. Right. And and, and people can shit on him all he wants, and he deserves it. But I've always said this in my time talking, wrestling with people or whatever. This Russo is an idea man. He's a guy that goes, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. He's an idea guy, but he's not a finisher. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can say, let's take this guy and this guy. And this is the angle we go with. And I guarantee that you say, okay, Vince, what's the three-month arc for it? And then he's going to be like, I have no fucking idea. Right. And then you get guys that can <laughs> write it, then you put it together. So so I would keep Vince Rousseau as my idea guy of, okay, this, this, and this. Right. Where do we go from there? And that's where I keep him around. And that's why I think Vince Rousseau would still probably have a job with Vince McMahon because right. he could say, Hey Vince, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Right. And then say what you want to say about him, like a Bruce Pritchard or somebody would be like, okay, well, Brian Gewertz, Brian Gewertz will end it this fucking way. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, I don't think that WCW would still be around now, but I would think that if Vince wouldn't have jumped when he jumped, he'd probably still have a fucking job. Plus, Vince right. McMahon likes him. Yeah. Now, see, I I agree with Aaron for the most part. I do believe that WCW would have still went out of business. Turner Broadcasting would have eventually AOL would have told no wrestling on any channel. Get rid of it. He would have had to pull the plug. Fine and well. Russo, I think, would have stayed on with WWE for a couple of years. He would have saw the direction they were going, and then his mouth would have gotten too big for his face. And what I mean by that is when he would have done an interview or something, he might have spoke out of turn. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that created, you know, Austin 316, and they're not, they're not letting me do what I do. And it's all PG now, and I, I can't handle this. And, you know, bro, I'm, I'm the one that told Triple H to call himself the game. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't yeah. shoot interviews now. He's mm-hmm. always taking credit. But then he falls back on, but if it wasn't The Rock saying my words, then it wouldn't have mattered. Right. You know what I mean? He couldn't, couldn't just be anybody. So I think he would have boasted too much and put too much on himself that he did everything, which would have eventually pissed off into command and caused him to fire him. And I think Russo might have tried to make his own company, much like with TNA, mm-hmm. uh, only without a big financial backer, and it might have failed. But I don't see Vince Russo in the wrestling business past three or four years after WCW goes out of business, whether he jumps or not. You know. Yeah, and and I mean, 
you could you could get deep into the weeds and we won't, but you could get deep into the weeds and talk about the animosity with him and Stephanie. Right. And that pro- that probably would have been bad for him and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, right. cause they did not like each other. Remember what was it? 2000, was it 2002 or 2003? Vince tried, Vince brought him back in as a consultant yep. and it lasted like two weeks because him and Stephanie just could not get along. Right. You know, I think it was, I think it was around then. I don't remember, but anyway. Yeah. yeah Russo yeah. claims that he walked into a room and there were like, there's like 20 people, bro. <laughs> Talking about stuff, and it's like, what am I supposed to do here? Twenty minds working. <laughs> well, Vince, you should, you know, work. Start working. <laughs> yeah, start working. They're paying you, you to be here. To somebody. <laughs> <laughs> what, fucking waterhead. Go get some coffee. Do something. <laughs> well, guys, I think we had some good questions for our first. Uh, Ask the co-hosts segment here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I look forward to the many in the future. And that being said, we'll get to the meat of the matter here. What we're actually discussing this week, our topic, it was voted on by you, the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. What TV, what episode of a TV show were we going to watch this week in review? You picked the WCW Monday Nitro from September the 1st, 1997. And uh, this is a significant Nitro, and we will get to why in just a little bit. But um, overall, what did you guys think of this show? I before before have... we start, before we start, mm-hmm. it's. Break? Uh, um, I know you were going to say significant, but it's significant for a couple reasons. For one, they go out there claiming it's an Arn Anderson appreciation night and watching it without knowledge of what's going on, when you get into it, you're like, okay, they're going to show some love to fucking Arn Anderson because he was a fucking man in this goddamn promotion. And you get to the end of it and you're just like, but right. You're acting why a lot. But but going in, um, watching it in 2020 eyes, it's like, okay, I can dig it. And it's not a bad show, but it, it goes off the rails in a little bit. I, Which WCW did a lot back then. Yeah. Go ahead, Archie, would you? Before we get into it, would you? As, as a younger man, when this show first aired. I was 16. I was in school. I uh, went to school the next day very upset over Arn Anderson because I'm an Arn Anderson fan. Mm-hmm. Of course, been fan through and through. And I remember getting to school and all my buddies were, a couple of them were wearing NWO shirts. Did you see what Nash did? Did you see X-Pac was crying? And the, you know, whatever it was. And I just sat there going, really? This is, you know, it's Arn Anderson. We've all been watching for years before the NWO popped up. And I hated it back then. Mm-hmm. Now I see the funny in it. I understand it was meant to be a joke. But I also understand when I hear people talk about the backstage uh, presence that was going on afterwards. And that Arn Anderson was very upset that that was even done. You know, they told him, yeah, we're going to go out dressed like you guys are going to poke some fun. But they never, he never thought they were going to go that far. You know, and I just, much like the Nation of Domination skits with DX, and people being offended by 
them being in blackface and mm -hmm. I feel that shitting on Arn Anderson that hard was uncalled for. And and when we get to the segment, I will I will um, I guess I'll <coughs> I'll elaborate why on why it doesn't bother me as much. Okay, watching it in hindsight, but we will get to that because, like Aaron said, this show is is presented as a tribute to Arn Anderson, who just the week before had made the, you know, my spot promo to offer his spot to uh, Kurt Henning and um, announced his retirement. And I have a question about it. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily about the promo, but you watch that fucking video, okay, and it shows, and it's a really good, it's a really well done video. Okay? Especially for WCW. For WCW showing Arn Anderson... Is Arn Anderson, and if you guys can tell me you're, I'm wrong, that's fine. But is Arn Anderson the greatest wrestler to never be the like a world champion? I put him up there. Yeah, he's in, he's in the top five, I think. And if he's not your face. number one, he's got to be your two or three. I'd say he, it would go a tie between him and Perfect, and you you. But perfect was the world That was AWA, though. I'm talking about WCW. I'm talking about in the mainstream, you know. But I and I understand AWA was mainstream for a while, but you know. But I'm saying a guy that wrapped that fucking strap around his waist and said, "I'm the world champion." Yeah, I put him on the greatest dude to never be world champion. Yeah. The the only guy I would put above Arn would be Ted DiBiase for me personally. I could I could say they're 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 tied there again, but I absolutely see yeah. what you're saying, Aaron. No, I I absolutely agree. He's definitely it. Probably for me, it would probably be DiBiase one, Arn two, and at the at the time, Jake Roberts three. Not knowing right. not knowing his predilections to you know whatever, but you know what Pretty I'm saying. Right. Right. Norton Coke. Yeah, yeah, but, but right. no, I'd say I'd say I'd yeah, say DiBiase one two, you know. DBSE one, Arn two, Jake three for me. Yeah, yeah. Arn Arn would be my number one. Mm -hmm. And like you said, DBSE would be two. And then I'd say, and like you said, not knowing everything about it, my my third would probably be Snooka. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was a time that Snooka was almost the guy that Vince chose to be his, you know, national expansion top guy. So. Right. Yeah, there was a time where that everywhere Jimmy Snooker went, he was the fucking man. So I can see that too. We are in as as uh, as we do this show, as Scott Hall likes to call it, Pete Cola. I love hearing like <laughs> Scott Hall always called Pensacola Pete Cola, and I don't know why, but that's just one of the coolest things ever from, to me. I think he's from there. Or that's he's from a, if he's not from there, he's from like right around there, nearby. Yeah. yeah. It's a. I wrote down here. It's a very hot crowd, and modern. I don't even care if it's the hottest AEW crowd. Modern wrestling crowds do not reach the level of Monday Night War wrestling crowds. I agree. I, I mean, agree. there there are times AEW has some hot ass crowds. I'm not going to lie, you know. Yeah, but, but they really do. Four seconds. These fuckers. These fuckers were popping for Jeff Jarrett and Mongo. Yeah, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Like those AEW crowds get worn out, you know, by the end. This crowd, yeah. these these Monday Night War crowds, people, you didn't ex- if you didn't experience it, they were hot from the minute the fucking fireworks went off to the minute the main event In was done. In my opinion, it's because crowds that went to Monday Night War shows had to actually make the money to go to these shows. So they wanted the best experience ever. And when they got it, they wanted to pay homage to it. Where with mm-hmm. crowds now, modern, you know, today's crowds, it's, it's you know what I mean? I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a lot of rich kids who got mom, their their tickets in advance, you know, for mommy and daddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not it's not real fans. It's well, we're just going for the experience. And not just that. And I don't I do not want to get on the, in the weeds here, but uh, because I made the note of the hot crowd. Another thing is back back then. As wrestling fans, and I'm not saying there wasn't fan participation. You know, we had, oh, you didn't know, and all that stuff. Right, but right. Back then, when we were we went to wrestling to watch the wrestlers and 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 and, and watch the show. Modern wrestling fans are used to the fact that they're part of the show. Right. You know, I'm gonna get to see Judas tonight. That's yes, you know, yes, <laughs> exactly. They're they're part of the show. They want to, yeah. they, you know, the 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 chance. You know that this is awesome. Right. Holy shit! And right. Blah blah blah. Anyway, right. Um, they show a recap of the uh, segment with the Horseman last week with Ric Flair, of course, uh, right. welling up because of Arn's speech. Which uh, you look at his Ric Flair's an emotional guy. And you know he he always wore his heart on his sleeve during stuff, and uh, he's losing his best friend. Yeah, yeah. And Nate, can I ask you this? Sure. Do you think? And I know they did like the um, like we all know where it's going. Where Kurt joins the Horsemen or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, take your spot or whatever." Do you think? Because I think it would be, or would have been. Do you think the horsemen, as a group, would have had more legs if they wouldn't have taken Kurt out of it? Wouldn't have taken Kurt out of it? Yes, I I do because because Kurt fit it, and, and I love I love Dean Malenko, and you know I do. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and you know I like. I you know, you've known me since I was a kid. Obviously, you know that I love Dean Malenko. But I think if the Horseman group would have been like Mongo, Benoit, Claire, Arn, Kurt, like that shit would have. It would have worked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you gave me his spot. And, and right. Kurt would have been way more effective being in the enforcer spot than just being another fucking guy in the NWO. He would have. And and this is one of the – that whole angle, and I know we're trying to talk about this show in a bubble, but <laughs> that, that whole angle, it, it was one more of those uh, – uh, Hogan and Bischoff shitting on the horsemen and shitting on Flair. It really was. It was like, you know, oh, this has potential. Eh, fuck it. Let's make Flair look like a fucking idiot again, you know? 
Because they can say what they want about that that wasn't their intention. It was totally their intention. But if they would have the just, just kept Kurt a horseman, I think mm-hmm. that horseman angle could have went for fucking years. I think the underlying storyline of it all was... Um, this is just me. 80s, early 90s, the horsemen were supposed to, and they were, the coolest thing in the world. And everybody wanted to be a horseman. At 97, the NWO was trying to say, the horsemen aren't cool anymore. Nobody wants to be a horseman. They all want to mm-hmm. be in the NWO. You know, because Hogan used to say it daily. Ric Flair would love to join the NWO. That right. wasn't true, but it's what they were trying to get over is that the NWO was what was in. So if you were going to join the horsemen, you were joining the uncool brand. But and their egos made them totally miss the boat on the potential yeah. of of a stronger four horsemen against the NWO. I agree. Instead of constantly making the horsemen, you know, they, they when they were doing things outside of things with the with the NWO, the horsemen looked fine. But they never made the horsemen look strong against the NWO. They always made them look like a bunch of fucking idiots, and it was a terrible decision. And it was all about Hogan and Bischoff's egos. That's all it was. Right. But I agree with you, Aaron. Um, Which you should. The first match we get out the shoot here is Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael, speaking of the horsemen, against the odd team of Jeff Jarrett and Eddie Guerrero. Did anybody else watch them come to the ring and be like, this is odd? (laughs) That's they're coming out. Deborah being with them. They're so coming out cool. to. They're coming out to Jared's hillbilly music, and, and I didn't. I knew Eddie was trying to turn heel here, but I knew Jeff was still kind of a face. Where the horseman, the faces here, it was just a really weird thrown together match. Mm-hmm. You know, and watching the show in a vacuum, like I said, you don't know. I don't necessarily remember what happened the week before or the week after or whatever to put. Well, we'll Eddie find in. out when we get my show back up and running. Eddie and yes, Eddie and Jarrett together. Um, I believe what it was, if, if I'm not mistaken, Nate, Jarrett had just been thrown out of the Horsemen for causing all the rifts with Mongo and Deborah. Rick finally got fed up with him and just said, "Hey, take him out." And Eddie was just kind of like there, mm-hmm. like Jar- Jarrett needed a partner, and Eddie trying to get more TV time as this serious heel. They were like, "Yeah, put Eddie Guerrero with him. It's all we do." Yeah, he's going back to the WWE in a couple weeks. Well, it's WCW, everybody, and it made and no Mongo, sense. Mongo is the current United States Heavyweight Champion, and I have in my notes is Mongo the worst United States Heavyweight Champion ever? No, like Mongo, WCW or WWE are. included, all of it. He oh, might be Orlando the worst Jordan. United States Champion ever. Orlando Jordan. See, I don't dislike Mongo like you do, though, Aaron. So, no, I don't think that's so. What I'm, that's, a, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I enjoy him as a, like, he's entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. But it's like, eh, seeing Mongo with, like, the United States Championship on him. I'm like, eh. I don't know if I like that. No, I don't think he was a bad United States Champion. I mean, he... he... He was bad in the ring, but he made up for it sometimes here and there, and he did cut a decent promo when he was coherent. Um, He was not the worst. 
it, worse you it, it, it's a hard question for me to answer. I'd have to go back and look at the lineage and stuff and try to jog my memory. But. I'm telling you now, Orlando Jordan, in my opinion, is the worst United States champion ever. <laughs> you guys two weeks. Did you guys watch the actual meat of the match? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it was well, fucking that, that goddamn in the meat of the match. That fucking superplex that Benoit hits on Eddie is fucking sick. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like god damn. Like <laughs> that 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 Pensacola crowd when they saw it, they were like, Holy shit, that was fucking great. <laughs> and that fucking crowd popped for it. This this oh, fucking yeah. crowd. I don't want to talk about the crowd too much, but but throughout this entire show. This fucking crowd is amazing. They were behind it. They wanted to be there for everything, you know. And the thing I love is you mentioned the, the suplex being so heavy looking from Benoit to Eddie. Eddie, Benoit, and Malenko trusted each other so much in that ring mm-hmm. that if they had to go a little harder or go a little shoelish, you know what I mean, to snap off a move, they knew the other guy wasn't going to hurt them. It wasn't right. intentional. It's just, we got to make this match look really good. Yes. And they would let the other guy go for it. The next segment, oh, I'm sorry, Dean Malenko actually comes out during this match and uh, <clears throat> contributes contributes to the Horseman's victory here. Yes. He's um, already. Yes. And, I mean, just look at the array of talent that you've got. You know, you've got it all in one segment here. It's crazy. It's crazy right. to think about. The opener. It's the way most companies should open their, their shows. Mm-hmm. So the next segment that we have is um, we have Scott Hall and Randy Savage, who later on tonight are going to be facing Lex Luger and Diamond Dallas Page in the main event. And they come out, and they're coming to the ring. And um, I wrote, see, I don't know, Archie, how often on the show – I've mentioned it, so you may or may not know. I know Aaron does. I am a big fan of Larry Zabisco, okay? Right. Um, He cracked me up here because Tony Schiavone said, I don't know why the show's getting interrupted or whatever he said, and Scott Hall's on the camera, and Larry Zabisco goes, well, there's one greasy reason. (laughs) (laughs) And it fucking popped me, man. I was like, that's great. There's one greasy reason. (laughs) I I like I like 80s Larry Zabisco. I like Larry Zabisco when he came back to feud with um, Steve Regal for the TV title. The shit between him, Larry. the shit between him and Raven and TNA is some of my favorite TNA stuff. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to get to. Though. I didn't, and I loved him on commentary in WCW. After that, I I kind of was like at a point, okay, Larry, it's time for you to just now nah, see. Uh, yeah, I dug him as the authority figure in TNA, too. I, I, I did, too, but he didn't have to fight AJ Styles or Raven. You know what I mean? They, there was never a call for the wrestling gun. You know, he, mm-hmm. just, he just enjoyed it so much. You know, I could still yeah. do it, so I'm going to. But, God, I love me I love me some Larry. I'm a, I'm a Larry Land guy, man. I love yeah, me Larry some Larry Land. Go. I live in Larry <laughs> all day. <laughs> but uh, Scott Hall and Kevin – or Scott Hall. Randy Savage and Scott Hall come to the booth here. Um, and of course they cut the promo, uh, Randy's doing the whole, I'm just lounging on the table, you know, sitting there 
in his Randy Savage, I'm cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you got uh, Scott Hall. They're discussing DDP and Luger, which sounds like a totally underwhelming team to me. Yeah, As I'm terrible. watching this, I'm like, terrible oh. team. <laughs> um, but anyway, anything like, on this segment, guys? Um, it's like you said about Larry. Larry did a great job. And and um You could tell him and Scott loved working this deal. Yeah. And you can also tell, and you can also tell that um Scott Hall has or had like so much respect for Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, like, how do I don't say it? Like, a lot of times, like watching like Hall and Nash with Hogan, it was like they were trying to like almost big dog Hogan, but but when either one of them or both of them were out there with Savage, Savage is a star. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. See, I agree he's with the, Aaron. He's a fucking man. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're not going to mm-hmm. big dog Savage out here because no, Hall, think- Hall. Hall is a guy. Sorry, RC. But like Hall is a guy. Hall's a guy that naturally wants to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. But if he's out there with Randy, like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's the center of attention right there. What I was going to say is, though, is that, and Nash and Hall said this countless times in shoot interviews. Hogan didn't know how to stop being Hulkamania. Even in his promos for the NWO, it was like still those Hulkamania 80s promos. Mm-hmm. Savage, on the other hand, when he joined the NWO, he became the NWO. He was a bad guy again. He was in his natural habitat. So Hull and Nash were able to play off of him better. Where with Hogan, they had to like calm him down a little bit from going, eat your, eat your vitamins and savor it. You know what I mean? Right. He's always one step away from going back to... I'm and, a real American, you know, and that's so, what I was gonna say about that's what I was gonna say about Savage. What made him smarter than Hogan was Hogan kept trying to do like the too sweet and do right. all that shit, you know, and try to be cool. But Savage didn't do that when he was right. out there with like Nash or Hall. You know what right. I mean? So where I was saying like, oh, like a Scott Hall or. Kevin Nash knew that is the coolest motherfucker on camera right now. Randy right. Savage was smart enough to not be like, I'm not cooler than this 30 year old guy out here right now. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like Savage didn't change the Randy Savage character. No. He amped it up. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was, his character was, he was like Piper. Like his character was just him, <laughs> you yeah, know. Like, like I don't need to try to compete with you, motherfuckers, because I'm right, cooler than you right. anyway. And right. the guys I'm out here with know I'm cooler than you. It makes you wonder if they would have ever offered the leader role to Savage instead of Hogan. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. think of the dynamic; it still would have been big. Yeah, Savage was an ex WWF guy, so it still would have looked the same. Mm-hmm. You know. So the next match on this Monday Nitro <laughs> is <laughs> Mortis. Versus Silver King. And, um, I mean, the match was good. I like both of these guys. Um, 
the, the first of all, Silver King is one of my favorite luchadors. Aaron knows that. Yeah. I love I yeah, love I fucking Silver King. Um, fantastic worker. I, I I love his energy, man. Silver King just like his energy is fantastic. Yeah, he would run out to the ring like he was getting. Ah! Yeah, yeah, he's just like fucking. Yeah, you're like, you're like yeah, Silver King. I I, 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 am I don't Frito Bandito. Let's do this. <laughs> like I don't know your story, but I dig it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Canyon is Mortis. Um, <laughs> The I match like the was good. Character. I like the character. I did too. But I find that it only really worked against Glacier because he was there, according to James Vanderbeek or Father James Mitchell, whatever you want to call him James nowadays. Vanderbeek. Wasn't that his name? <laughs> the Dawson's Creek guy. Yeah, what was his name? <laughs> James <laughs> Vander something. I don't whatever. Know. He came out too. I don't want this match to be well, according, according to James Mitchell in the dark side of the ring, they created the, 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 the I'm sorry. You know? Vanden, Van, Vandenberg is what you were looking Vandenberg. for. Right. I'm, I wasn't that James far off. <laughs> uh, according to him, the Morse character was only created to destroy Glacier. So mm-hmm. it makes you wonder why was Mortis fighting anybody else? Yeah, you know why was the episode? The name of this episode. The name of this episode is going to be the Sinister Minister James Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't a Mortis been Titanic? What? Why would have Mortis been Titanic if Glacier was going to defeat him? <laughs> Water's cold, brother. Yeah. But Mortis goes up. Mortis goes over joke. here. That was a lame joke, but I actually had an honest question. Mm-hmm. It's been said that if the NWO angle wouldn't have, like, like Nash and Hall left and it all came together, that Blood Runs Cold was what they were going to go with. 1996. All of us are kind of similar age. I'm, I'm 38 mm-hmm. now. So in '96, Nate, I would have been how old? 14. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, 13. 13. I was, Nate, I was you 15. Were, Archie was 15. <clears throat> Nate, you were 27. <laughs> I was um, actually 19, but thanks. Okay. 18, 19. Okay. So the NWO doesn't happen, would this a blood runs cold angle interest you? No, going up against what no. the WWF was presenting me in fall no. of 97? Fuck no. 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 Why did I, yeah, what, I, my first thought when I saw Glacier come out was God damn it, Mortal Kombat, it's been sub-zero. Mm-hmm. If they would have had a, a list of characters, though, like it would have been Glacier, Mortis, Rabbit. I'd be like, really? Did they buy the, the Mortal Kombat rights and is this why they're getting this? And if they would have tried to pretend to take over WCW like the NWO did, no, I wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> no. Um, Mortis calls out the faces of fear. Well, Vandenberg. Um, and because the, they're going to be facing off at Fall Brawl yeah, with Vanderbilt. Mortis. He comes and up. wrath, and uh, 
Faces of Fear, chase him off. Um, Probably a really good match, though. The Faces of Fear versus Wrath and Mortis. I don't remember. We'll have to. I don't know. Yeah, we have to, to go back. And I, haven't, I haven't watched that fall brawl in, in a couple of years, probably. Yeah. But, um, so that's it for that segment. It is what it is. Um, they show us footage from last week with Eric Bischoff talking shit about Sting. No. Um, you skipped what, over something. What did I skip? You skipped over my note. It says 1997. Aaron loved the Nitro Girls. Oh, yes. The Nitro uh, Girls. Yes. Fucking Christ. Yes. <laughs> Spice. Fire. Spice. That's actually in my notes. If Kimberly, if Kimberly Bacon, which is that not the best fucking name for the second hottest chick in wrestling history ever. Kimberly Page is the second hottest chick ever in wrestling. Ever. And her last name is Bacon. That's really her last name? Her actual actual name is Kimberly Bacon. Bacon. God damn. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) But it's in my notes like a few times because they keep popping up. And something kept popping up because I was like, 1997, <laughs> love him some Nitro Girls. And Spice was fantastic. And Fire would be third on my list. I love I me like some Nitro Girls. I like Che. The little Asian one? She was cute. Yeah, the little Asian one, yeah. Kevin Nash apparently <laughs> tore that up from a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll have we'll have so, to ask him on the next meet and greet if he was ever with Chase. <laughs> Eric Bischoff from last week. <laughs> the deal with Sting. Um they're heating up obviously till Starcade of nineteen ninety-seven. Um so we get that recap to because we're we're leading into is Hulk Hogan going to accept Sting's challenge? Right. Um, which at this point he needs to because we've what we've done this for a year, and we we all know hindsight they're gonna fuck it all up. But anyway, getting to it was that's fun. Actually, that's actually in my notes. Is 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 Crow Sting the biggest like botch in the history of wrestling? Oh, absolutely. Starcade '97 had the potential to. And the aftermath of it had the potential to make sure that they were still going to win this war for another year to year and a half. And they right. totally boned it. I mean, the, the timing was, was, was great for Vince, bad for WCW. They screwed it up just as Vince was heating it up, you know? Yep. And that, that's, there's no doubt that that's, that's one of the, if not the biggest letdown or the biggest, what'd you say, botch, Aaron? Yeah, it's the biggest botch in wrestling history. Yeah, as far as as far as a booking decision goes. Um, up next on this show, only on Nitro, back in the nineties, folks. In your undercard, are you going to get a fantastic match between Dean Malenko and Yuji Nagata that isn't even fucking advertised? Like <laughs> WCW is like, hey, he's two of the best wrestlers in the world. We're just going to throw it out here unadvertised. <laughs> Have fun, guys. Enjoy it, Geek Cola. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Malenko 
and uh, Yuji Nagata have a, a really good wrestling match here, which Jeff Jarrett costs Dean Malenko the match, and Yuji gets the victory. And the only note I have on it is, um, and I don't want to like bore you guys or make it last, make the show last longer. It's it's a random thing. It just says because this is how I do my notes. I read every match and I just kind of like put little brackets on it. Thoughts on Mike Tanay? Um. I think that at here's my opinion on Mike Tanay. I think that as the as the analysis man in the WCW booth, I like Mike Tanay. I'm just never a big fan of him as the lead announcer in TNA. I like Mike Tanay. Don't get me wrong, I do. I dig him, but I think he's better as the other guy, the other straight guy with the facts. Right. You know. I was right. I was never a big fan of him as the main play-by-play guy. Tony Schiavone said it best about Mike Tanay when he went to TNA in the early days and they were cutting shoot promos on each other. He said, "You all you ever wanted to do was say the names of the moves that the luchadors were doing. You didn't care about the actual match. You just wanted to say the names and, and prove you knew more about wrestling than everybody else. Meanwhile, there's a guy named Scott Hudson at home who could have did your job better and for less money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the way I feel about Mike Tanay too. It was always about putting Conrana, my mind is straight, and it was like we did it. Like it's a great move, and we know what it's called. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call it out every time. Tell us what they're doing in the ring, you know, right? Not just that one move. You know what I mean? So, I, I, he was good, but he was he wasn't great. Huh? I just was <laughs> curious because I think. Mike was I, like he's a step over, and, and I'm a big fan. I, I like Tony Schiavone. I know people dog Tony Schiavone, but I think he was a step over Tony, but like an understep under Jim Ross. So I think we're kind of somewhat on the same wavelength, but just. I- I like Tony with Jim Ross on AEW more than I would have liked Mike Tony with it with Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. So I have to give the nod to Tony. All right. The next match on this show is my favorite match on this show. It is La Parca versus the Ultimo Dragon. The Nitro Girls danced before that, by the way. Yeah, actually, I do have that on my notes. Nitro Girls. Did they, did they change outfits, or are they still in the same outfit from before? They changed. They always okay. changed. But not it was, always. Not it, was always. always awesome. it was always awesome. Is that not seriously? Is that is? Uh, and I'm not gonna talk about. I'm, I'm not gonna sound like a fucking pervert here or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy breathing going on in this show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I'm not uh, seriously. I'm, I'm gonna be serious. I'm gonna be serious here for a minute. All right, Lance. Is the Nitro Girls not one of the best goddamn ideas in the history of wrestling? It was a good idea, yes. I agree. We're gonna do we're gonna do a two we're gonna do a two and a half hour show. Okay, like what's something that everybody says about wrestling shows now? Too long. Too long and nothing happened. 
right? Mm-hmm. Nothing happens between these commercial breaks. So Eric Bischoff was like, you know what we're going to do? Dancing we're going to have to film these shows. So during the commercial breaks, why don't we have like Kimberly and all these fucking cheerleaders go out and shake their ass and tits in front of these people right. and keep them entertained for two and a half minutes. We need, we need dancing girls. Yeah. The fucking Nitro Girls is a fantastic fucking idea. I have no mm-hmm. problem with it. Like, wh- how are you going to come back from a break and see, like, nut- Kimberly, Spice, Che, Fire, and some other broad going, bah, there's her titties, and not have everybody be like, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> And I'm not You're even right. trying to... I agree. It's a great I fucking agree. idea. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I agree. Idea. Oh, well, no. Well, in WWF, Nate and I, we've gone to house... Nate, you and I went to fucking TV tapings where we just sat there in the dark and nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. If somebody would have been shaking their tatas in front of us, we were like, yeah, this is great. Well, Rod did have the wrong girls for the first couple seasons of the crowd signs. <laughs> yeah, but it was Vince and he the Rossetti sisters. <laughs> <laughs> but like you were saying about La Parka and Ultimo Dragon, it was a great match. And it has it's not only my favorite match on this show, but it has my favorite spot on this show. Okay. They start this match out. La Parka cracks fucking Ultimo Dragon with this front hand slap. That knocks him down. And then Ultimo Dragon does that kip-up spot. Where he's like... Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's crab walking, but he's kipping up. And it's it's amazing. Like the athleticism. And then these two guys just go to town. And it's fantastic. Oh, it is. Um, Zabisco... Makes like a bunch of Japanese jokes too. Like it's funny because he's like, "Uh, it, I don't." Want to, he he keeps saying that Japanese people have seven hearts. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I picked up on that too. I was I actually have it written down here. I was like, "What's with Zabisco and the hearts?" <laughs> you can't put. You can't put the Ultimo Dragon down because Jap- Japanese people have seven hearts. What? <laughs> what? What mythos is he, is he reading or looking at that he's? Yeah, I don't know. I don't like. Know. I remember <laughs> Alien Nation, that movie with fucking James Caan. He had to like double tap the aliens because they had two hearts and shit. But I don't remember Japanese people having seven hearts. I don't know what that was about. Um, there's a chair shot here that backfires on Laparka and Sonny Ono, and um, that gives the Ultimo Dragon obviously the opportunity for the win. He and uh, Sonny Ono do a little kicking of each other, which they were what uh, Sonny Sonny was was Ultimo Dragon's manager right when he had the eight championships or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep, the J crowd and um. So now they're feuding, 
And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Ultimo Dragon gets the Dragon Sleeper on Sunny. I forgot to mention that what it was the prior, I think, Saturday night or something where um, Sunny had humiliated Ultimo Dragon by putting a mock Dragon Sleeper on him. But yeah, ultimately, this match was great. I'm a big fan of both guys. They did a great job in this they match. They did. They did. How do you guys feel about Sonny Ono? I think Sonny Ono is one of those things where person, probably a great person. Here, here's my deal on the Sonny Ono thing. Already by 1997, the world was starting to grow up as far as stereotypes and stuff goes. Right. You know, like we watch wrestling from the 70s or the 80s the 60s, the 50s, even the early 90s. Stereotypes are a thing, you know. You got Mr. Fuji. You yeah. got, I mean, it, it just it's the way wrestling was. It's how wrestling was booked. It was the evil, villainous Japanese, you know. But by 97, <laughs> Sonny Ono with the camera playing the, the stereotypical Japanese tourist, et cetera, et cetera, probably not great. I don't dislike Sonny Ono. I, I found him to be entertaining. I know a lot of people I, shit on him. I, I I don't I don't find it I don't find it shit that, on. He probably huh? paid for it. <laughs> and, and took pictures of his Polaroid. <laughs> Fucking Che. Nitro <laughs> 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 Um, I, had no, I had no problem with Sonny Ono back in the day. I mean, yeah, he was a little um, overdone and definitely a stereotype, but they got away with it up until he was fired and decided to do a racist uh, lawsuit against WCW. Yep. So Him and what, hard work, hard work Bobby Walker, I think, yep. was part of that too. And at the time that they tried to make this lawsuit and say, WCW isn't giving anybody a minority a chance. Like six of the champions in WCW were minority. Yeah, you, know, you had the Booker T, you had Prince Iron like, you had this guy. You had, you had. It's like, who aren't we giving a chance to here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was not by mistake. <laughs> like, Terror was like, oh shit, we're racist. Put the belt on Booker. <laughs> <laughs> the next match not on this Booker didn't deserve it. Just right. Say. Wasn't a mistake. The next match on this nitro or a coincidence. Sorry, coincidence is what I meant. The next match on the show is Glacier against Buff Bagwell, along with Vincent. And we do want to send our condolences out to Buff Bagwell and loss of his mother Judy. Yeah, um, it's a it's a sad deal, and uh, I don't look forward to ever having to deal with it myself. Although we have to deal with it in life. Um, but RIP Judy Bagwell and our condolences go out to Mark Bagwell. So yes, most definitely. Now that being said, it's funny because I, <laughs> I, I, I was, I'm not even saying this because of the current circumstances. I was like, damn, this match actually had some heat. <laughs> like the people were into this match on this show. And like I said, this crowd was hot the whole time, but these guys kept them interested. There's not a lot right. to write home about, you know? Um, well, but it was a decent match. It was better than we, what we were seeing in recent weeks, mm-hmm. leading up until this this nitro. You know, so the 
thing I wrote was, um, like you said, they had a good match, okay? And um, what I wrote was, Ray Lloyd, who is Glacier, mm-hmm. is, or was, actually not a bad professional wrestler. No, he wasn't. Mm-mm. Like, bell to bell, Ray Lloyd was pretty goddamn good. And if he wouldn't have been settled with that fucking gimmick, I think Ray right. Lloyd could have been a bigger star than he was. Oh, definitely. The date die. Definitely. Wrong time and wrong gimmick. Yeah. And and, and I've I I've knocked Buff a lot in a lot in the past or whatever. But what I will say is that Buff had actually a really like good finisher. That block, that Buff blockbuster, mm-hmm. goddamn finisher. And I, I think these guys it. actually had a pretty good, like quote unquote, TV match. And yeah, right. Like I, I had no problem with. This fucking match. The only thing I had a problem with was fucking Virgil because he's useless. <laughs> Generally, yeah. <laughs> I think. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I gotta write this down. I gotta. We're talking about a segment he was on. I gotta send him twenty bucks. Um, Damn it! Sure, change him this week. <laughs> you send him a goddamn DQ coupon. <laughs> <laughs> For half off, he doesn't get a full coupon. Up next, we get a video featuring Rowdy Roddy Piper and what's going on with him. I, to be honest with you, I didn't pay attention to it. I'm sorry, but it's the same video we've been getting. He wants to fight Hogan again. He's back in WCW. He loves his family. Nothing, nothing different. Next up, it's Liz Mark Jr. against Viano Four, along with Viano Five, and uh, and this is where you were talking about. Love an Ultimo Dragon, you mm-hmm. know. I love Ultimo Dragon. At a like or no no La Parca, you talked about La Parca being a luchador that like a lot of people don't talk about or whatever. Lismar Junior was actually really fucking good. Yeah, I was I was about to ask you guys, did you see how jacked he got a couple years later when they did those uh, Lucha Libre USA on MTV? Yeah, whatever it was, yeah, he got jacked, and he was the main star of that show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, he could have he could have been something big in WWE if they wanted him to be. The um the cons- the meat of this match is fine. Um, Vianos do the switch up, you know, the switch them up uh, gimmick. The I'll call it the mass confusion. Yeah, <laughs> hearkening back to the bees. But anyway. Um, Lismark does actually wind up going over with a moonsault here in this matchup, pinning the wrong Viano, I guess, if you would say that. But anyway. Um, I never understood something about the Vianos, though. Okay. Where was Viano 1, 2, and 3? And my second think- question is, why did they have them wrestle with masks as the Vianos and then without masks as the Mendozas? Yeah. Like, I remember, think, you know... I remember back when okay when when the what was it uh, he did he wrestle as Ray Mendoza yeah yeah okay yeah I remember watching that Nitro back in the day and not realizing obviously back then 
that it was one of the pianos and going, where'd this old Mexican dude come from? Like, we talking about that a while back. Is because on his trunks, when his his singlet got pulled up, underneath on his underpin part was the four for the Viano four. Two weeks later, when he came out with the mask, I'm like, wait a minute, that's Ray Mendoza. And I'm like, I always thought that they weren't allowed to take their mask off. So what the hell was it with them making them wrestle without masks? You know, like why? It's it's goofy. (laughs) WCW though, because they were in Pico, and when you're in Pico, Pico. it doesn't matter. You're right. Pecola. Pecola. What happens in Pecola? Stays in Pecola. Unless it's herpes. Um, <laughs> that should have followed you home. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, up next, uh, Mean Gene. I, I, I find Lex Luger's like my most... You know how they say, you know, during the, the heyday of Cena, when he was getting the booze and such, you know, they, they, they played it up as he's the most polarizing figure in pro wrestling ever. My personal most polarizing figure in wrestling ever is Lex Luger. Because there are times, especially early, early 90s, I dig Lex Luger. Yeah. And then there's this Lex Luger. Yeah. Do you want to know my, do you want to know what my actual notes are? What's what? It actually says Mean Gene interviews Lex Luger. Parentheses, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> Not, but something else happens, but B U P T. But. The, the problem I had with Lex Luger here was the amount of cheers he was getting. At this point, like between 96 and 97, and I think he was only getting these cheers because there was nobody else on the roster as a huge baby face. So he like fell into that spot. You know what I mean? And it just, it made no sense. If Sting would have been there, Luger wouldn't have gotten the pop or the push he was getting in my opinion. Luger was so fucking boring. He was? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking boring. Like, I'm not even saying that he was terrible. I'm just saying, like, he was fucking boring. I agree. I agree. Well, he, he, uh, he's like oatmeal with no fruit in it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, Aaron. I'm going to use that next time someone's really boring, Robbie. It's just that plain steel cut oatmeal. (laughs) I understand that you're nutritious. And you're going to get me to where I need to go. You're nutritious, but you're not delicious. (laughs) I'm going to spit you out on the curb, you piece of shit. (laughs) All right. Well, the less said about this interview, the better. (laughs) And then Disco Inferno in the ultimate heel move in the show chases off the the Nitro girls. Yeah. Yeah. 97, Aaron was like, you bastard. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's the ultimate heel move. Yeah. He chases off the pretty girls. Yeah. How am I going to finish now? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gilberti. Yeah. If somebody <laughs> walks in now, they're going to be confused about my... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it always 
It always <laughs> seemed to me that Glenn Gilberti had a problem with women. So that maybe, just maybe, he was in the closet because he hated that Jacqueline came into WCW and that they eventually wanted him to fight her and put her over. But, right? He hated, he would always be the one to chase off the Nitro Girls. And he always said they were useless in shoot interviews. He'd constantly say, you know, we could have just had a match going on during break. We didn't have to have them. Mm-hmm. He didn't like any of the women in WCW. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> we get a matchup next between Alex Wright and Hugh Morris. So Look, why did this go chase them off? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, sorry. What? what? I was going to say, Nate, you missed the Larry Zabisco moment in there. I guess I did. Because you were talking about Disco came out and ran off the Nitro Girls, and then Alex Wright came out, and then they were dancing, and Larry Zabisco was like, oh, what are these, the Nitro Boys? (laughs) (laughs) I I did miss that. I I don't even know. That would have been good. Because they were dancing, like, like really close to each other, and that's what fucking Larry said. He goes, oh, great. It's the Nitro Boys. That would have been a hysterical storyline <laughs> if they would have gotten those two and then, like, three, four other dancing wrestlers, La Parca, Tokyo Magnum, one of the guys, and introduced them as the Nitro Boys. That would have been hysterical. <laughs> and, like, Tony Schiavone popped. Like it wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a fake laugh. Right. Mm-hmm. When Larry was like, "What are these, the Nitro Boys?" and fucking Tony lost <laughs> that damn mind. <laughs> well, this match between Alex Wright and Hugh Morris is a really good match. It's too fucking match. long. I didn't think it was too long. I enjoyed watching the match. What I didn't like. Was the fact okay? Disco Inferno comes out to get involved in this deal, and he winds up cracking Hugh Morris. And the referee literally <laughs> is looking at him <laughs> like he's the referee is literally just the, like I don't remember if it was Billy Silverman, but anyway, he's just <laughs> he just literally watches this happen and does not call for the bell because that's right. not supposed to be the finish. We, we've seen referees <laughs> disqualify people for less. <laughs> Just stepping out of the curtain, disqualification, interference. This was not called for. <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the match, but that that, that was like, oh fuck, that's a terrible referee. <laughs> I kind of like when a ref sees something and it's just like, whatever. Eh, fuck it. Eh. <laughs> I didn't it. want to turn around. Shit. I wanted to watch it happen. I didn't want to turn around. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> So next up, we get a video uh, highlighting Sting. And I put this in my notes because I heard this on something before. Do you know that Sting video? Do you know who that was talking about it? No. Eric, if if I'm lying, I'm sorry. But I've heard, from what I understand, I've heard Eric Bischoff... Or I've read that Eric Bischoff said that kid reading that was Garrett Bischoff. No shit. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Like he had his kid like read that shit. That's a cool Garrett, little factoid. Garrett might have had a, a good uh, career in voiceover then, or you know, background voicing. 
he didn't want to become a member of Aces and Ace. He was also the kid in the the um, WCW magazine commercial. Really? Where Sting turns into like a kid and then yeah. turns into a, a doll. Yeah. And that was good. <laughs> wow. shot too. The next thing on this show, Damien comes out for a match with, I think, believe supposed to be Stevie Richards. And uh, Raven DB- DDTs Damien on the outside. Stevie Richards does a little funny thing with CPR. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. And pins Damien. And that's the end of that. I don't have any comments. I have nothing to say. The yeah. only comment I have is I honestly forgot that Stevie Richards was in WCW. Really? Yeah. He was in <laughs> was, very long. Uh, yeah. He was there for like two weeks. I forgot about that. I, I, I think maybe <laughs> I think it might have been more like two months, but yeah, he went back to ECW very quickly. And uh, up next, we have a Lee Marshall one uh, eight hundred collect talking about next oh, week. Nitro is going to be in Milwaukee, and you always got to love the uh, the weasel jokes. Where he, right. This one, this one was one of the worst. We have cheese heads. Not wheeze heads. <laughs> and I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you wonder, you gotta wonder, did WCW tell him to do this or was he doing it on his own? Because he used to hurt Bobby. It really pissed Bobby off sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I, I just remember Bobby like, what does this guy got against me? What, what did I ever do to Lee Marshall? <laughs> Tony the Tiger, you piece of shit. <laughs> Um, and then we get uh, Mean Gene interviewing Big Bubba well don't forget the pointless fireworks yeah 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 I didn't even write it down but you're right (laughs) absolutely pointless (laughs) it was like like they wrote the entire show and they were like we still have $750 (laughs) Should we pay the boys? And Eric Bischoff was like, no, blow it up. (laughs) And they did. It wasn't even, uh, oh, we're going into hour number three. They were just like, we're going into, we're going into an hour and and 27 minutes. (laughs) Here's Mean Gene. Interviewing the big boss man. What the fuck? <laughs> and uh, Ray Trailer is what he's going to now start to call himself as, as he has have his, what, sixth or seventh iteration in his career in mm-hmm. WCW. Um, yeah, I'm a man. Of, he woke up out of his coma. That's essentially what he said. He said that. <laughs> essentially. He said, I was walking through the parking lot, and all of a sudden I got hit in the head. And then I woke up, and I was just like, God damn, I guess I'm Ray Trailer now. That was the extent of the promo. It yeah, was pretty he, he was flip-flopping. It, would, it was still a little while before he would pop back into uh, being himself. You know, it was it was tough to watch here. Yeah, he, it, NWO, not NWO, Dungeon of Doom. 
He was like, I was the guardian angel and I was the boss. I was Big Bubba. Now I'm just Ray Trailer. Now, essentially, isn't that what John Tenton did too when he cut his hair? Yeah. Mm. I'm not an avalanche. I'm not a shark. I'm a man. I'm not a shark. I'm a man. I'm but John he only had, Yeah, he only had half a head of hair, though. Right. Half a hair and half a beard. But the the big boss man in WCW was not good. They wasted. All. They I mean, they wasted. There was really nothing they could have done with him, though. In all honesty, like he wasn't going to be world champion or world or you know in the United States. Well, but I always thought he could have had a partner and been a tag champion or a TV champion. I'm not saying he should have been like world champion or whatever, but I just think that I think that WCW dropped the ball on Ray Taylor. And what proves it is that the minute he went back to Vince, you made him big, made him a fucking star. Like the minute he got back to Vince, Vince knew exactly what to do with him. And then when, it would hit that entire fucking building with like boo, <laughs> and, and it wasn't it wasn't like Xbox go away he or heal he nope. it was just like this guy's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like he's a fucking he fed Al Snow his dog. Yeah, he <laughs> dogged Al Snow. He fed Al Snow his dog. He fucking told the Big Show's father's well yes. funeral. Yes, he he fucking did all this shit. He made like, us watch the kettle from Hell match. <laughs> WCW dropped the ball on Ray Trailer. They did. Like, like Ray Trailer is, and you guys might be like, "What?" I think Ray Trailer is the equivalent of Vader going to W going to the WWF. I could agree with that. Like this could have been the, this could have been one of the biggest things you fucking had, and you yeah. got it, and you did nothing with it, and you fucked it up. It's the same way with Vader going to the WWF. Bubba beats Prince Iakea <laughs> here. And uh, what? Ray Trailer beats <laughs> Ray Trailer. Like Ray Trailer <laughs> says, I'm Ray Trailer now. I'm going to go do my thing. <laughs> and I said, Bubba, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's All not right, even a funny thing. That's not even a funny thing. But I'm Ray Trailer. I'm, I'm going to be Ray Trailer now. I'm going to go beat. Prince Iakea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna call him Ray Bubba. He beats Prince Iakea. <laughs> and up next, the infamous. The reason that this uh, this um, particular episode of Nitro was on Aaron's poll because this is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That sounded dirty. But, That's why uh... the Nitro girls were there. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> And <laughs> we have the infamous segment with the NWO being X Pac, Kevin Nash, Conan, and Bagwell. I love Bagwell. Recreating or parroting last week's segment with the Four Horsemen. Now, here's what I'm going to say and where I'm going to. Actually, first of all, and we are going to go into a huge amount of detail. Everybody's seen the segment. Everybody knows what it is. I do have a couple of key things that 
popped me. But 20, what, 24 years later or whatever it is, Archie, what's your opinion of this segment? I hated it. I still hate it. And the reason being, my main reason for it all, there was no get back for the horseman from this. Okay. Henning eventually turns and, and goes to the NWO. He slams head, Blair's head in the in the cage. The horsemen disappear for a little while. Mm-hmm. So there's no get back. So the like you, you mentioned earlier, this was Bishop and Hogan shitting on the horsemen again. But it was also like they were making them go away. It was them pushing them out of the limelight. Mm-hmm. So that's my problem with it. Aaron, what's your opinion of this segment? My opinion of this segment is it's funny as hell. Like anybody that tries to tell you it's not a fucking funny segment is fucking lying to you. Conan, as Mongo, is hysterical. Nash did a great job. Um, It's kind of what Archie said. That is my only... Um, blowback is that there wasn't a retaliation. And There's Ric Flair? And, and I'm not even saying like, oh, next week. I'm saying they should have done that segment and there should have been immediate retaliation. Right. Okay, so, so Arn Anderson, to my knowledge... Has never really gone on record, okay, on this segment. Ric Flair has, and Ric Flair has said that that, that him, Arn, the Horsemen, in all of them were in the building that night. That's none of them had none of them had a problem with the segment. The problem they had was their opinion was at the end of the segment they should have come down and fought off the NWO. Which I agree with. However, I'm watching this segment in a vacuum. I tried to watch this show in a vacuum as I'm just watching this show. This segment is fantastic. It's funny. I mean, the same fat broads that have been following the horsemen around for 20 years. My and spot, your spot, my dog spot, liver spot. Yeah. It's fucking great. Fucking Waltman with the tears. And yeah. and like Archie said, Conan, even Conan as as Mongo, yeah. because of the ridiculous. He's listed up the four fingers. He just that's all he's doing. And this is the best thing Buff Bagwell ever did. <laughs> ah, it would be an honor. Like I just yeah. I think overall as a segment. And especially when we're talking about late 90s pro wrestling. Respect is out the fucking window anyway. Let's be honest. And we were all watching and we were all laughing. And we were all... It's like I always say about the Attitude Era. As a matter of fact, it's bad. It was probably bad for the business. It's probably the worst thing that ever happened to the business in hindsight. But at the time, god damn it was entertaining. So that that's where like like I, I see what you're saying, Archie, and especially as a fan of Arn Anderson, I can see what you're saying. But I think overall, at the end of the day, did did Flair and Arn it got the job done? It got the job. Well, and also also in the mid to late '80s, are you pretty sure Flair and Arn big dog some motherfuckers too in politics? Oh, I'm sure. And I'm and sure. and. 
You know, it's like it's 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 wrestling in general. It's spade calling spade a spade. You yeah, know what I mean? Okay, like I'm not arguing. Okay, it's like Vince McMahon saying Ted Turner's put me out of. You know what I mean? Ted Turner's well, no, put no. me out of business. Okay, well look at the look at it this way. It's like is it's not the same thing, but look at all the shit that Jim Cornette would do, like when he mm-hmm. went out and dressed up like Baby Doll or whatever. Or not dressed up like baby doll, but dressed like dressed up like like Jimmy Garvin and had the fucking baby doll poster and she was a dog and all. It's no different, but why why it's different is there wasn't the immediate comeuppance of it, right? Like that is my only led to something. That that is my only dig on this entire segment is that it neutered the horseman. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, I mean, it made the horsemen geldings or whatever. If, if they, oh, if they, they would, have, if they would have been able to come out with chairs <coughs> and chase off, the, not even chase, like, like, like Arn, Arn should have, honestly, Arn Anderson should have spinebustered Kevin I Nash. Anderson. Well, Nash is a bit big, maybe a Waltman or a Mongo, but oh, or, or yeah, Conan. Yeah, but see, you know what I'm saying? Like, Aaron, like yeah. I don't, been, I don't, I don't a, think there should have been immediate comeuppance. I don't uh, think. Now, here's where I disagree with you. I agree with comeuppance, but I think for the purposes of this show, if we're talking about this show itself, on this show. The end or the horsemen just come out and chase off the NWO. I agree with you. One of them needs to get dropped. One not uh, not on this show. They get run off on this show. No, on this show, one of them, whether it's Nash Hall, but not by Arn. You do the Arn drop on pay per view. Okay, is what I'm saying. Somebody, somebody. Okay, Benoit. Mm -hmm. Benoit gets fucking six. Six in a goddamn cross face mm-hmm. and rips his fucking nose off. Or which something. is even funnier because which is even funnier because you can get a close up of him with the fake tears coming down his right. face. Right. Like like <laughs> Benoit rips fucking six six flares nose off and shoves it up his ass or something. You know, See, like you, something you needed to happen. I, this is where I feel it should right. This should have been the horseman chase him off. The next this week, the, the horsemen beat down a member of the NWO the same way the NWO beat down Arn. Because that's what the, you were saying was the cause for Arn's injury anyway. So now mm-hmm. you take out a member of the NWO. Now, if you weren't leading to Henning turning, then you have the horsemen win at full brawl to continue the feud with Arn Anderson laying a spagbuster on one of them and getting the horsemen to win. But if you were going to lead to the leading to Henning turning anyway, this didn't need to be done. This, that segment, in my opinion, should have been done after Henning turned, and then this way Henning's involved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, 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 it just didn't. It, it, it yeah, it paid off and it sold the pay per view, but then your ending of the pay per view was murdering Ric Flair. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was little legit murder of Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, and at the end of the day. At the end of the day, like I said, leading into it, I don't think Kurt should have ever turned. I agree. I don't either. Kurt, Kurt turning and the horseman not getting 
any kind of fucking retribution for this fucking funny and great angle was mismanaged bullshit, in my opinion. Which abbreviated mismanaged bullshit is WCW, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so the rest of the show, uh, we're going to fly through it because after this segment, um, a lot of what happened here, I kind of lost interest. I was still watching. I was still taking a few notes here and there. We have this crazy what? ass. We have this crazy ass thing with uh, like cruiserweights. <laughs> yes, like this and Scotty Riggs. Yeah, this crazy thing was kind of nuts, though. Chavo Guerrero is supposed to have a match, what, against Chris Jericho, I think. Yeah, for the Cruiserweight Championship, and Eddie's mad because he didn't fucking do something on Saturday night, and then all of a sudden, Scotty Riggs shows up, and Scotty Riggs (laughs) is moving a Cruiserweight. (laughs) He's a grown-ass man. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know. Like, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like and all these different luchadors come out and cruiserweights and there's this crazy thing where they're all throwing each other over the top rope and shit. And I was like, is this is this a match? What is this? What has happened Whoa. here? I had no idea what the fuck was going on in this segment. You know what the coolest thing out of all of it was though? What's that? When Billy Kidman just popped off a shooting star plus <laughs> off the apron. <laughs> Kidman's like, look at me. Yeah, just like fuck it, I'm gonna do it. I'm making, I'm making my fucking way tonight. (laughs) Fucking Bischoff's gonna recognize me. (laughs) The next segment: Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan. This is very long too. And and what's that, Aaron? It's very long. Like yes, it is. Yes. Um, just. Talking shit about Sting and JJ Dillon. And um, my notes essentially they 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 lure Dillon out to the ring because they say they're gonna give him their decision on whether Hogan will fight Sting, and then they beat up JJ Dillon. Again, I'm gonna fuck you to the horseman. Yeah. That was another middle finger to the horseman. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Bischoff did spray paint bite me on, uh, <laughs> on JJ. I'm sorry. Like, that's one of my favorite Bischoff things. Bite me. Like, I don't know. I just, I love it. I think it's great. But anyway, um, I think Hogan accepted Sting's challenge in this segment, right? Right. We weren't quite sure. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, the rest of the show after that horseman deal was just like, eh. I've, I've lost interest in this. The main event, Scott Hall and Randy Savage defeated Dallas Page and Lex Luger when Scott Hall pinned Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page. And those are my notes on that. Did you guys even give a shit at this well, point? I, I wrote, what? how can you get a shittier team than DDP and Lex Luger? <laughs> I thought Nash and Hall of... Savage and Hall were perfect together. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I really took out of the match. I wish they would have teamed with each other more. It was fun to see them team together, you know. And like Aaron said earlier on the show, you could tell Scott had a respect for Randy. And when you think about it, it's kind of crazy because I'm sure uh, Nash did. I'm sure Six did. 
I mean, all those guys were kind of under the learning tree with Randy in the WWF in 93, 94. You know, right. Randy was still and, there, and, and, and he was and, the elder statesman, you know. And that's what I, that's where a lot of ways, like, people knock Nash or whatever. It, in some ways, I don't, and I know Scott Hall was, Scott Hall was Scott Hall. You know what I mean? Like, he has his demons or whatever. But where I kind of somewhat don't knock Scott Hall as much as I do, like, a Kevin Nash. Because Scott Hall and all the shit I've ever read or seen about him was more of a wrestling guy than mm-hmm. Kevin Nash. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like Scott Hall is like, yeah, man, like, like Savage is the dude. You know what I mean? Or, or it, do, do you get what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he respected what these people did. The business, yeah, more absolutely. Than, more than Where Kevin Nash is like, oh, I'm gonna make this money. Fuck this guy. Fuck that guy. I'll bury him till the end of the day. Where Scott Hall is more like, yeah, this guy kind of paved the way a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like the the Tito thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Scott. But, yeah, Scott. Scott was more, most definitely, especially. I mean, where he was more you know, of a what? wrestling business guy. Yes, what he started in what eighty five, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he came up through the territories and 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 paying the respect and shaking the hands and so yeah. I mean, it was always there with him. You know. And not that he didn't, you know. No, he buried him. He'll bury yeah, him. What, what are we too close to Portland? Yeah, you know, yeah. not that he didn't call a motherfucker on his bullshit. But you're right. Scott was definitely more of a of a you know thank you brother, shake the hand, you know kind of guy what? than Nash was. And 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 Michaels, you know, Michaels was kind of petulant. Yeah. And et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, Scott was definitely the pro of the bunch. Yeah. You know, it's, we know it's crazy, though, and then we will definitely sign off here, but after we give our overall. I got another guy in that group. We talked about the click. Sean Waltman's another wrestling guy. You know? Yeah, oh, he's even more than Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah, like Sean Waltman is, is probably the biggest, like, I, <clears throat> Sean's great in the ring. Hunter's great in the ring. Scott's great in the ring. Kevin is great as a personality. Sean's probably Sean Waltman's probably the most respectful of the bunch, the most professional of the bunch. Okay. And like, like I told you before, Nate. Like I was watching a thing on. I, it might have been you. I don't even know what the fuck it was. It was YouTube <laughs> or the network or something. But I'm watching it. And it's all the guys, it's like all the click guys sitting around talking about um, different wrestlers they respect and everything. And Waltman mm-hmm. was like, you know who I respect the most? And they were like, who? He goes, Lawler. And they were like, what? Wow. Lawler. And he's like, man, he's like, for like 40 years, Lawler's been hitting that goddamn fist drop off the fucking rope without knee pads. <laughs> Fucking yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. He's like, the fucking man. Good point. Like, he's like, that's fucking nuts. And like, he talks for like five minutes about the greatest, the greatness of Lawler. And then all of them are like, fuck, you're right. That dude's great. 
Like, like Waltman was like Wally, <clears throat> one of the baddest ass dudes in the world. Well, 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 narc. in a in a vacuum. If I'm giving this this show this Nitro a one out of ten score, I scored a six. It was all right. I go to seven. It had its better moments, you know. It, didn't, it wasn't it wasn't a bad show. I'd give it an eight. Like it had a lot of good matches on it, and the historic significance of it, and everything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there was. I just, I. It wasn't the show I hoped everybody voted for, but it was the second one I hope they voted for. Well, we'll do this again sometime. And some didn't vote for the Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, Stunner, and Madison Square Garden. <laughs> oh, Vince, idiots. Vince, Vince sold that Stunner horribly. He almost died taking that Stunner. And by the end, he was immune to a Stunner. It yes, needed to right. take two or three to put him down. It's one of my favorite well, things Jericho said. He sold it like a water bottle. Like a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that being said, we're going to wrap up this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and I want to encourage any of you, all of you, to listen to any of the other shows we have here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, Archie's show, if you smell what the arch is cooking. Of course, Reliving the Extreme with myself, Aaron, and Chad Austin, and so many other shows that you can listen to here on the network. Check them out. want to thank you all for joining us, and... It is, as we are recording this right now, it is 12.36 a.m. on November 9th. So it's coming, folks. The second year of the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. We have some new panelists this year. And uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. It's actually my favorite thing to do because I'm a geek. I'm a wrestling geek, and I love tabulating the votes and putting it together. Don't I know you're the only one. We all are. Come on. Now. Yes, yes. Well, I need you to send me the people that are already in it. Oh, you know yeah. you guys are going to get a detailed fucking list of shit from me, so don't worry about well, that. It. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, it very but, soon. Um, the, uh, the ballot situation will go out right around Thanksgiving, just like it did last year. And uh, we will have the the Hall of Fame episodes coming up in December and January. So very much looking forward to that. But until yes. then, Archie, any parting words for our listeners? No, no, I think, we, I think we've said it all. Brother? When's my favorite show coming up? I don't think that's till June. June? Really? Jesus. Yeah, keep your britches on. <laughs> oh, God, you mean the Hall of Fame? Yes. That's my (laughs) Archie's like, God damn, we just did one. (laughs) One of the matriarchs just died. (laughs) (laughs) We will see everybody next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We bagwell. We know we (laughs) We got it. We got it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time around. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin' Out Media, all rights reserved.